Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So when I first went into, well, what they call full-time ministry, the vicar, who was my boss and mentor, told me that on his day off some months before, he went to his door where he lived at the vicarage next to the old church building and found a rumpled old man standing there. And the man asked if he could look inside the church. He was passing by the M- up the M5 on the way to London. And David, the vicar's initial thought was, oh, well, you know, actually it's my day off. But he didn't voice that. He decided he'd serve this visitor. So he went and grabbed these heavy ancient keys and walked across and let him into this beautiful, picturesque medieval building, St Andrew's Colompton. And the old guy looked around, sat in silent contemplation for a little while, then said thank you and left. A few days later, the church office received a call asking if there were any needs or projects that could be contributed to. Well, there was quite a list as uh, ancient buildings inevitably need constant repair. A thank you note to the vicar for the visit followed, together with a cheque enclosed for many hundreds of thousands of pounds. There was more than enough for all the maintenance that was needed, the tower appeal was completed, and there was enough left over for a state-of-the-art sound system to be installed. Now, yes, church leaders need a day off too, and it's good for us all to have boundaries in our lives, but imagine if David had said to the visitor, sorry, not today, day off. Well, Jesus Christ came to show us what God is like and when he did, he came to seek and save and serve. He said when we do something that helps somebody in need, it's like we're doing it for him. We've already seen in the series how Abraham and Sarah put themselves out to serve three strangers, yet they were entertaining angels unawares. So, we don't do it for this reason, of course, but our God is so generous, we never know what blessings God will bring in when we put ourselves out, when we make the choices that Jesus described as looking to serve rather than being served or going the extra mile. See, what you might think is a random act of kindness can have a domino effect of blessings that we may or may not see. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of water to somebody, God's looking to reward that some way, someday. This is such an important message. If we're going to enjoy the full life, the way that God intends it, which is our year of blessing, is is how we we want to know how to be blessed, to be a blessing. We're looking through Genesis, continuing, and we come to the longest chapter in the book, which details the day a young woman called Rebecca performed a simple act of hospitality, servanthood and generosity toward a complete stranger. Little did she know how this would change her life and the lives of so many other people, in fact, everybody in history. Rebecca's attitudes and actions ushered her into God's plan and purpose. She had a choice and she did what she might have said was the least she could do, but she did all she could do and then some, which opened up all kinds of blessings for him and in turn for her. We've heard how Abraham heard God's call and his faith led two geriatrics to birth a new generation when they had a son, Isaac, which means laughter. Verse 1 of Genesis 24 starts by saying, Abraham was now very old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Just like he said he would, you know, God loves to bless us. But before he dies, Abraham wants to bless the next generation and the ones to follow. But how will that happen without a wife for Isaac? 
Abraham knew that to take an unbelieving wife from the pagans living nearby, somebody who worships idols, would be a disaster for his faith and for the future. That was really important to him. So now, in verse 3, Abraham makes his servant, Elazia, swear an oath. He says, you mustn't just get anybody. You've got to get the right one. Go back where we came from. Go to the right place to get the right one, the woman God will choose from among our own people. And so the servant sets off praying and planning. How does he make the right choice? What's he looking for? Non-smoker, good sense of humour, enjoys musical theatre. Well, what's God's list of character traits and how do you test that? Let's read it. Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. And he made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening. The time the women go out to draw water. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your water that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you've chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. This is the servant's test. It's a test of service. He goes to the outskirts of town where the well is, where the women will be every morning and evening, and he puts himself in the right place. He's not expecting God to do all the work. He prays with his eyes open as he puts together a great test which many people wouldn't pass. I'll explain why in a moment. And I don't just think this only has principles, applications for relationships and marriage and singleness. It's also about what God is looking for in those he's going to use for great things. Because the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning and he has plans for all of us too. Great plans. What's the test here then? He wanted to find somebody willing to go the extra mile. That was it. What would set this person apart, what would rule her in or out, was whether or not she'd put herself out. Would she be other-centred or self-centred? Now the phrase about an extra mile comes of course from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And in those days, as the occupying power, a Roman soldier could come and make you carry his pack for a mile. But Jesus said, don't just do what you might be expected to do or have to do. When you have the chance, make the choice to serve. And that attitude stands in stark contrast to the way most of us think and act today in relationship to others. We want to be the VIP. We all hate to get bad service, but what do we give? Do we only like to serve if it's easy? Or some people only want to serve in an advisory capacity. But true serving is not helping at our convenience, it's helping at cost to ourselves to bless others. Now, Rebecca's getting near the end of another day, doing an ordinary thing, not an unusual thing, even now in many parts of the world, in some places I've visited, where you don't have the luxury of just having water on tap. She goes down the steps to the well, to the spring, and she draws water for herself. It's hot. She gets enough for the household. Then verse 17 says, Mr. Nobody Special in particular comes over and, to meet her and said, please give me a little water from your jar. And lo, she saith unto him, Behold, what did thy last slave die of? Hast thou not got legs to do it thyself? No, that's not what the next verse says. If she'd said that, what would have happened? Nothing. 
No further story, no destiny opening up for Rebecca. If she'd refused, complained or been impolite, if she said, I'm busy, get on thy camel, her day would stay ordinary and so would her life. But now we see the extra on her ordinary. In verse 18, drink my Lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. So here's my first learning point from Rebecca. You can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. Sometimes we never walk the second mile because we never even got started on the first one. We ruled ourselves out of the running for the second mile. We didn't do what God wanted because we wouldn't do what somebody needed. A business guru, Zig Ziglar, famously declared, you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Rebecca got started by doing what somebody asked of her. She showed politeness, respect and honour in the way that was appropriate in her time and her culture. She didn't know who he was. She didn't know that this was an answer to prayer, his prayer, and, and that it was part of the plan of a sovereign God. She didn't do it so she'd be blessed. I suspect she did it because she believed she already was blessed. It's like, you know, I live by this well and here's a thirsty traveller. I'll do what I can. She didn't think it was beneath her. That's why God elevated her. Because the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. But she didn't just stop there. She was just getting started. Verse 19. After she'd given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water and drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. After doing what he asked, she notices the camels. And now she makes the offer to go the second mile. Remember, she didn't know who the camels, that the camels were the specific thing, the test that Eliezer had prayed about, but the ships of the desert are running dry and so she offers to serve, to help. She's quick to do so. Did you notice that? She's not dragging it out. And all the time a servant is watching her, not saying a word. Who's watching your life? Everyone. Everybody is. Like it or not, people see you. Are you dependable or expendable? Promotable or demotable? Rewardable or removable? You might have a lovely heart, but people can only see your actions. Actions trump intentions all day long. So what are people seeing? I'll tell you, they're seeing what you show them. And now camels are the smelliest, thirstiest, nastiest, spittiest creatures. And there are 10 of them, each at least 20 gallons of capacity. That's over 900 litres for you who prefer metric. Even so, it's a lot of trips. Going up or down the steps to the well, hours of hard work. Just to bless somebody you don't know. Who'd do that? Who'd put themselves out like that? Well, here at Ivy, there are so many of you. You literally, some of you serve in the kids' work or hospitality or here at the Ivy Cafe in the week. Others of you get here early to welcome or to help us worship in some way by your practical, technical or musical service. God bless you. And you know what? He will. Because in the New Testament we read this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving and he's the best boss. Look at this, the Rebecca spirit. He's still watching how she does it and she's not huffing and puffing and moaning and complaining. 
She's not letting everybody know about all the sacrifices that she's having to make. Some people are only happy to do good for you if they can make you feel really bad while they're doing it. Now, I've made mistakes when I've recruited or promoted people too soon, but Abraham's servant is a lot wiser than me. He keeps on watching her to the very end. Did you notice that? He doesn't stop after a few camels and say, hey, you're good at this, that's fine, you're the one. No, you know, I'd be three camels in and give her the prize, but she works and he watches and he waits until the ten camels have all had enough. See, he's looking for a, a finisher, not just a good ideas person or a great starter. Some people want commendation, celebration and compensation just for turning up, even if they're late or doing half a job. But Rebecca kept on till the job was done and done well. You can do any job or task, big or small like that, for the glory of God. In 1956, Martin Luther King Jr. said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted pictures, like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music. Sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. I grew up watching my mum go out and work full days at a cotton mill. We ate as a family for tea time, then dad would give mum a kiss and go to work 12 hour night shifts at the same hot, loud, noisy place. Do you know how often I heard them complain about their work? Never. I never once heard them complain about it because they had a job and they knew what it was like not to have a job. They had mouths to feed and they gave their best every day. They knew nobody owed them a living. So they gave maximum effort for minimum payment. But more than that, they actually gave me a rare example. Now everywhere we look, you can see exactly the opposite. People wanted maximum reward for minimum effort. But Rebecca's servant heart and a second mile smile were her doorway to destiny. Once she'd finished the job, the servant knew his work was done. She was his answer to prayer. We all love to have our prayers answered, don't we? But when was the last time you were an answer to somebody else's prayer? Then Eliezer opened up the hidden treasure chest that the camels carried. Wow, that's a great picture, isn't it? Where was the treasure? Where was it hidden? Right there, in her place of unselfish service, that became her place of unparalleled blessing. And so he showers her with gold and gifts and jewellery and a family with blessings too, as he tells a great love story that she's invited to star in. And she agrees with the request. She goes back to meet Isaac. It's not a forced marriage, though no doubt God arranged the marriage. And they see each other and it's love at first sight. Everybody say, aw. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because it's awesome. It's awesome what God does. So, as we come to pray, what does this story tell us? Wrapping up, two things. Number one, when you bless others more than they expect, you position yourself to receive more blessings than you might imagine. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 2, Jesus said, with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What measure are you using in life, in terms of what you give? See, God can fill a thimble or a bucket. Which one are you going to give to him? Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Number two, the way that God works behind the scenes means your act of kindness today 
might affect the lives and destinies of many, many others tomorrow and in the days to come. Just offering to pray for that person in need, visiting, sending the text, going to fix something that broke, offering a lift to hospital. So often I hear real life stories of how little things are really the big things that make a difference and prove the love of God to people. So what will you do? Rebecca seized an opportunity in her ordinary life to serve in her extraordinary way and God was watching and then her actions outlived her into eternity because she became the great, 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 I could carry on 37 times, grandmother of the saviour of the world, the servant king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Yes. It's great the way the Lord defines greatness, which always comes through servanthood. He says that any of us can be great that way by becoming a servant. So let's pray today. Right where you are, get into groups, gather together, talk about this, and then pray for one another.